0: I'm Steph, I'm Kim, and And this is Solved, Unsolved, or Spooky. Hey guys, thank you for everyone who's listened to us, we really, really appreciate it. Just wanted to say thanks. Well anyway, (laughs) yesterday I saw a pigeon, and today I saw a post. And apparently, a lady has, um, had released seven of her homing pigeons and only two have returned. That is hilarious, that poor lady. I know, and I didn't even think anything about seeing the pigeon, which is really random because we don't really have just random pigeons lying around here in the middle of the bush. <laughs> so we'll be on the lookout. And, the I yeah, if I see it again, I'll have to message her. <laughs> Hey, I'll just apologise in advance in case there's any loud noises. We can see lightning, so we think we're just about to get a storm. And I'll be starting part two of Rosemary and Fred West. Firstly, I'll give you a trigger warning. Today's episode contains explicit content and descriptions that people may find upsetting. If you're uncomfortable listening to these subjects, please tune out of today's story and we will see you back next week. Listener's discretion is recommended, and if this does bring up painful or damaging thoughts, please reach out to one of the many resources that are available. We have links available in the show notes. So police and forensic experts later concluded that all the victims found in the cellar at 25 Cromwell Street had been murdered in the location and that, like Goff, all of them had been dismembered in that location. No, I don't, I have a thing about dismembering. Stop dismembering people! (laughs) Like, killing them bad, but then don't dismember them as well! And the beheading, like, I like- No, he doesn't specifically behead, but to me that is so disgusting. It is- And keeping the heads? Ew. That's another one of my (laughs) favourites. Anyway, five victims were murdered and buried in the cellar at Cromwell Street between November 1973 and April 1975. Does his house, like, just smell? Does no one question these? Like, why are these people coming and not leaving it? Like, what's happening? Well, a lot of bodies are buried outside, so they're in the fresh air, so not much is happening. And then I think you're too scared to ask questions. Because if you ask questions, I would be. Talking to him. Bad stuff happened. I mean, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to anybody. No, don't trust people. Don't ask questions. No. The first of these victims was 15-year-old Carol Ann Cooper. 15. 15 years old. She was abducted on the 10th of November 1973. Oh, Cooper lived in the Pines Children's Home in Worcester. Oh, a children's home and was abducted after spending the evening at the cinema with her boyfriend. She'd been waiting for a bus when she vanished and was likely dragged into Fred's car, where her face was bound with surgical tape and her arms bound with braiding cloth before she was driven to the Cromwell Street. Oh, no. Nothing good can happen in that house? No. At the West address... Cooper was suspended from the wooden beams of the cellar ceiling before her horrific abuse and murder. Oh, not the, the cellar thing again. No. Mm. As had been the case with Linda, Cooper died from strangulation or asphyxiation before her body was dismembered and buried in a shallow cubical grave in the cellar. Oh, my God. Over the following 17 months... Four further victims between the ages of 15 and 21 suffered a similar fate to that endured by Goff and Cooper. They're so young. They're just babies. Although it does appear that each murder and dismemberment grew more horrific with every new victim. Ugh, getting, like, more confident, and just yeah. thinking they like, can get away with everything. Yeah. Ugh. And more vicious. Yeah. how. Tortures. Like, Ugh. Following the murder of 18-year-old Juanita Mott in April 1975, Fred concreted over the floor of the entire cellar. Oh, good. To get, hide all the bodies. <laughs> yep. You will love this. This is just quite incredible. He later converted this section of the household oh my God. into a bedroom oh. for his oldest children. Oh, lovely. Sleeping over the bodies. Oh, Imagine making a new bedroom for your children on top of those poor souls. Oh, my God. How could you do that to your children, let alone these people you've murdered? Well, he's done a lot to his children, so I don't really think very much. Fred and Rose are not known to have committed any further murders until May 1978, when Fred, either with or without Rose's participation, but definitely with her knowledge, murdered an 18-year-old lodger named Shirley Robinson. Robinson had taken lodgings with the West in April 1977 and was heavily pregnant at the time of her murder. Oh, my God. What matter? Pregnant. Mm. Imagine how many, like, arrests, charges they would have had laid on them Mm. now when you get, oh, with babies. How many children have been murdered? That's insane. And they could have been in prison if they hadn't. Dropped all the charges. If anybody had have done anything. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy. Although Rose herself, pregnant at the time, initially boasted to neighbours that the child Robinson was carrying was her husband's. Oh. I'm not sure why you'd boast about but, that. Yeah, why? That's <laughs> not something I would personally boast about, but each to their own, I suppose. <laughs> she soon developed a deep resentment of Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> okay and the motive for her murder is likely to have been to remove any threat to her relationship. I don't think you had to worry. <laughs> her body was buried in the garden of 25 Cromwell Street. Okay. It was extensively dismembered. course. Cool. No restraining devices were found with these remains, making a sexual motive for this murder unlikely. I would say just removal. Uh, in my mind, I'd say she killed that one on her own. Probably. Yes. She, the unborn baby had been removed oh, oh. and had several bones missing. <gasps> the baby? The baby. That's, yeah. I don't know why. That's worse. I don't know. It is worse. I mean, they're all bad. But, um, yeah. Rose then unsuccessfully submitted a claim for maternity benefit in Shirley's name with social services. Okay. After you murdered her. Okay. As she had also done earlier with Charmaine and Linda. Okay. Sounds very snow-townish. does sound snow-townish, and I think we're starting to see a little bit more of a motive there. Yes. Okay. Fred and Rose stopped any suspicions of those who asked about Robinson's whereabouts by claiming she'd relocated to live with her father in West Germany. Okay. So these people just, they just keep moving away okay. and just don't tell anyone. Up and go. Up and go. The last sexually motivated murder Fred and Rosa known to have committed occurred on the 5th of August, 1979. The victim was a 16-year-old. Oh, 16. 16. So, named Alison Chambers, gosh. who had become the West's live-in nanny in the middle of 1979. God. Don't become a nanny. No, apparently not. Not there, anyway. Chambers is believed to have lived in the household for several weeks before her murder. Oh, God, I wonder what she endured oh, and that time or witnessed. To imagine, Rose promised Chambers she could live at a rural, peaceful farm. She claimed she and Fred owned. Okay, I'm pretty sure that meant the garden at Cromwell Street. <laughs> oh, god! So does that I mean we are going to murder her and she can just like be yeah buried? Her body was also buried in the garden of Cromwell Street. Okay. Close to the bathroom wall. And Lovely. Although Chambers was likely dismembered, her skeleton skeleton, <laughs> skeleton, was not marked by striations as the earlier victims' bodies had been. Fred and Rose later posted a letter written by Chambers to her mother prior <laughs> to her murder from a Northamptonshire post office box. Okay. This was to confuse her parents. That's so sad. Yeah. Like they so murdered the parents their child and now messing with them. Parents would have been looking in another part of the country to try That's and find insane. their daughter. Heather and May West became the focus of Fred's incestuous sexual attentions Ooh. after Anne-Marie ran away from home in 1979. Oh, my gosh. After enduring a particularly severe beating from Rose to her stomach just days after being discharged from hospital, For treatment of an ectopic pregnancy. Oh, she was. That's bad enough in itself. Yeah. Ectopic. Horrible. dangerous. Poor little girl. The frequency of the abuse endured by Heather and May increased when both the girls reached puberty. Oh, my God. Fred was overt and unapologetic in his conduct and would say, I made you. I can do what I like with you. Yeah, that's not how it works. Like, no. You're dad you're supposed to hug them and tell you them that you love them. I love you. I'm like, no He told the girls that he intended to impregnate them both (gasps) and would occasionally force all his children to watch pornography with him. Oh my god, no. Oh that's disgusting. Imagine that. No Oh my god. (laughs) That is not a good pastime to live with your children. That's what we're doing tonight. (laughs) So disturbing. As Heather May and their youngest brother, Stephen, were close in age, they decided to ensure that neither girl would be alone with Fred to avoid either girl being raped. Both girls would only shower or undress when their father was either out of the house or as her sister stood guard at the door. That is. It's the saddest thing Absolutely ever Stephen was also informed by his father that he would have to have sex with his mother oh. by the age of 17. Oh, no. Stephen was lucky enough to be evicted from the house at oh, the age of 16. goodness. Like, I know that's bad to be evicted from your own house, but, like, that could have been so much worse for you. would be so grateful. I was going to say, like, Saving grace. And to be honest, have you seen her face? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen pictures of the... Oh, I so nasty. Don't even... I've literally, I've only heard little bit of this case from Nan, and that's yeah. about it. We will put photos in the show notes. May developed a way to tolerate Fred sexually fondling her. Oh, my God. And she would jokingly brush aside any efforts he made to take the molestation further. Oh. Whereas in her autobiography... May recollected that Heather was affected quite badly by all of this even more than me. Oh, these girls must have been like so strong to be able to deal with this. So strong. Like, they must have just wished they could die. I I don't know how people get through this stuff. Like they must be amazingly strong. Amazingly strong. A strong suspicion remains that by nineteen eighty six Heather had been forced to engage in intercourse with her father. <laughs> As by the mid 1980s, she developed classic symptoms of the distress felt by victims of child abuse. Oh, okay. These included habits of biting her nails until they bled, <gasps> drinking, mm. drinking alcohol, warily watching her father through the corner of her eye wherever she was in the room, that expressing nervous fragility whenever in the presence of males, oh, her, sleep, her sleep being repeatedly broken by nightmares, and her repeatedly bouncing back and forth as she sat on any chair. This led to Fred and Rose suspecting Heather was a lesbian. Oh, of course! <laughs> you don't like me raping you! You must be a lesbian! You must be a lesbian. OK. And resulted in her being taunted by her father, who had never particularly held a liking towards Heather. OK. He would say that she was ugly and a bitch when. Heather mentioned the abuse to her mother, Rose would simply laugh at her distress. Oh, oh my God. Imagine how being in a household, being tortured, and the two people who are supposed to care and love you are the you ones have ones perpetrating. No, they're not going to help you, oh and they'll hurt you, yeah. kill you, if you ask for help. Heather also expressed to May and Stephen her desire to run away from home mm. and live a nomadic lifestyle. Anything in the forest oh, Dean. No. And never again see any human beings. Oh, oh my God. Just such innocence. It literally breaks your heart. So sad. I love Heather. Oh. In the forest. <laughs> Heather did tell friends about the abuse she and her siblings endured, and her external signs of psychological distress were mm-hmm. noted by several of them. Staff at the school which Heather and her siblings attended are also known to have expressed concern as to why Heather, a studious and obedient pupil, refused to change her clothing oh. for or after sporting activities. Oh, sure had my bruises and marks all over she wouldn't shower, she oh. wouldn't get changed. Yeah. On one occasion, she was forced to take a shower. resulting in her peers and staff noticing her arms, legs, and torso were covered in welts and bruises in various stages of healing. She was. Heather attempted to excuse these injuries, saying they happened in fights with her siblings, but told one close friend that her parents had done it, adding that her mother considered her a little bitch who deserved the beating. Oh, my God. What? My daughters are my best friends, and I Never do that. Rumors of Rose's sex life had started to grow in the school. Oh, oh good! <laughs> sure, all her children were thrilled that all her, the oh, her. how do kids you know that? How do kids cope with that? Oh. <laughs> and Heather confided to her friends that many of these rumors were true. Well, the father of one of the classmates was a friend of the West's. Oh. As such, (gasps) word soon reached Fred and Rose that Heather had spoken up. Oh, my God, no. Oh, my God, no. Including details of her mother's promiscuity to her classmates, Fred was so concerned by these revelations that he began to escort Heather to and from school. After Heather left school, she applied for numerous jobs in an effort to leave Cromwell Street. Oh. By June of the next year please she was she, she leaves. She was hoping to get a job as a chalet cleaner at a holiday camp in the seaside of Torquay. Heather received notification that this application had been unsuccessful on eighteenth mm. of june. In response, she crumpled into tears before her siblings oh. May and Stephen. That same evening, her whole family heard Heather sobbing aloud as she tried to sleep, and according to May, she cried all the way through the night. Oh, my God. Following morning on 19 June, Heather was back to her usual self, looking miserable, biting her nails and sitting on the couch, bouncing back and forth as she sat while her siblings left the house to go to school. When Heather's siblings returned home, they were informed that she had left to accept the job she had previously been refused in Torquay, oh my God, although Rose told an inquiring neighbor that she and Heather had had a hell of a row and that Heather had run away from home when asked why Heather failed to contact or visit her siblings, oh. the parents claimed that Heather had eloped with her lesbian lover, oh my God, of course cool. when May and Stevens suggested they report Heather's disappearance to the police. Fred changed his story yet again, saying it would be unwise to initiate a search for Heather as she was involved in credit card fraud. Okay. On more than one occasion, Fred and Rose persuaded an unknown person to fake a phone call from Heather to them. After Heather's disappearance, Fred occasionally jokingly threatened the children that they would end up under the patio like Heather. Oh, okay if they either misbehaved or told anyone outside the household about the abuse. Oh, my God. That is so disturbing. That is so disturbing. With Rose's approval, he later constructed a barbecue pit immediately opposite where he had buried Heather oh my God. and placed a pine table on her grave oh. for the children of the family to sit upon. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God so horrific, it's making me cry. I know, your eyes are watering. Mm. It's just ridiculous. Whenever the Wests held family gatherings in the garden, this is where they would sit. The children were none the wiser. Oh, my God. Fred and Rose constantly changed their stories about Heather's whereabouts, plus their allusions to foul play, ultimately led to police inquiries as to Heather's whereabouts. Good. These inquiries led to a search warrant being issued to excavate the West Garden in February oh. 1994. In May 1992, Fred asked his 13-year-old daughter Louise to bring some bottles to a room on the first floor of their home. Rose was not home at the time. Oh, What is going to The girl's siblings heard a scream, No, don't! Later, Fred returned downstairs. Louise was found by her siblings, writhing in pain, (gasps) sobbing that her father had raped and sodomized her. At one stage, partially strangling her. Oh, my God. When Rose returned home, Louise confided in her mother that she had been raped by Fred. Mm -hmm. Rose replied, Oh, well, you were asking for it. What? How old was she? Uh, I think she would have been 12. She was 13. 13. You were asking oh, for God. it. Over the following weeks, Louise was raped on three further occasions, oh, with Rose personally witnessing one of these three rapes before following her distressed and bleeding daughter <gasps> into the bathroom and asking the child, well, what did you expect? What? Lovely mother What? Mentioned. 13-year-old. How are these people allowed to have any children? Why isn't anyone doing anything about it? Why hasn't anyone taken these kids away and given them a better life? Fred also filmed one of these rapes. Several weeks later, Louise confided in a close friend telling her what her father had done. This friend told her own mother what had happened. And in response, the friend's mother informed the police. Oh, good. Please do something this time. Please. On the 6th of August 1992, the police searched the West household on the pretence of searching for stolen property. That's smart. Hmm. Although numerous objects of sexual paraphernalia, including 99 pornographic videos of both homemade and commercial nature, were discovered. 99? 99. That is a lot. If they'd have found the other one, it would have been hundreds. That's true. Police did not find the video depicting the rape of Fred's daughter. Oh, my God. 13-year-old made a full statement through a specially trained solicitor describing her father's actions, the fact the sexual abuse had begun when she was 11 and that her mother was casually indifferent to her flight. It was so sad. All the children in the household were placed into foster care the following day. Hopefully good foster care. Hopefully good foster care. Medical examinations revealed evidence of physical and sexual abuse. The West children also said their mother had inflicted most of the physical abuse and that their father frequently said that if they told anybody about the goings-on in the household, they would be buried under the patio like their sister Heather. Police began a full-scale investigation, eventually leading to Fred being charged with three counts of rape and one of buggery, with Rose as an accomplice. She was also charged with child cruelty, cruelty inciting. <laughs> sorry, child cruelty, child cruelty, inciting her husband to engage in sex with their daughter, oh. and obstructing the police. They need to be charged on a lot more than that. And they certainly do. Fred and Rose were questioned as to the whereabouts of their eldest daughter, and although Fred claimed Heather was alive and well, and supporting herself via sex work, oh, lies. <laughs> Of course. Rose initially claimed to have no knowledge of Heather's whereabouts or why she'd left home at all. Oh. And on the 11th of August, Rose said she could now remember. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> life <Lightful> was moment. <laughs> she remembered that her daughter had left home because of Rose's persuasion. Oh. And didn't want the other children around lesbian tendencies. Okay, first of all, there is nothing wrong if you're a lesbian. Second of all. Don't lie to the police or your kids about murdering your daughter and then, oh. (laughs) I just have no words for this. it's wordless. Rose claimed to have given her daughter £600 to get her to move out of the house and claimed to have kept in touch with Heather via the phone. Okay. Even if there's no evidence for that. No evidence. The following day, Rose was granted bail on the condition she did not maintain in contact with the children Her stepdaughter or her husband prior to her upcoming trial. I actually believe in the death sentence, and that I think should happen anyway. For some people, these people, these people. (laughs) As Fred awaited trial, he was held on a remand in Birmingham. Anna Marie also contacted police to offer a full statement detailing her experience as a child. Anna Marie recounted the extensive physical mental and sexual abuse she had endured as a child at the hands of her father and stepmother before agreeing to testify against both parents at their upcoming trial. Anna-Marie also added she had for several years been unsuccessfully trying to trace her mother, Rena, and half-sisters, Charmaine and Heather. Oh, my God. Further inquiries conducted with Anna-Marie's husband, Chris Davis, revealed that Heather had told him how unhappy she was just before her disappearance mm. and of her desire to leave home. Davis said he'd been so concerned for Heather's welfare he had offered to confront Fred and Rose and Heather had told him not to, blurting out, For Christ's sake, don't, because i will kill us both. Oh, my God. Davis then suggested they might wish to speak with Heather to garner further details of her abuse. Police and social services also spoke with May who, having spoken with her 13-year-old sister and learned Louise did not wish to see her father charged, initially denied she had endured any molestation as an adolescent. Police then focused their attentions on tracing Heather in efforts to corroborate Anne-Marie's claims of sexual abuse, but all inquiries led them to believe that she was no longer alive. Two months later... Gloucester Social Services also contacted police to stress their concern over the whereabouts of Heather. When Anna Marie and her 13-year-old sister Louise declined to testify in court on the 7th of June 1993, the case against the West's collapsed. What? With the child rape victims expressing her desire to return to the family. What? No. And Anna Marie choosing to withdraw her statement because of her younger siblings and her fear of Rose's vindictiveness. Oh my god, that is so sad. These kids are like. They're so scared. So traumatised. Oh my god. So scared of what this woman will do to them. Yeah. And so scared of what that woman will do to the other children. Other children, yeah. Anna Marie spoke further with DC Savage, stating that her mother Rena and half sister Charmaine were also missing. Although the West were acquitted of all charges, yet again, all their younger children remained in foster care. Oh, good. They don't see them again, do they? However, they were permitted supervised visits at Cromwell Street. How supervised? And we've seen how well the supervision in this situation was back then. Mm -hmm. Fred and Rose lied to family about the charges, claiming that the charges were fabricated. They were shunned by most of their families by this stage. Good. Police continued investigating the disappearance of Heather, noting no records existed indicating she was alive. When Anna Marie was asked about the family joke regarding Heather being buried under the patio, she confirmed that the sole time she had heard her father recite this claim, he had immediately burst into laughter, making her think the claim was false. Police also found that no missing person report had ever been filed in relation to Rena or Charmaine's disappearances in 1971. That's so sad. Crazy. DC Savage and her colleagues were convinced Heather was dead and that Fred's repeated statements to his children that her body lay beneath the family patio might be true. It's not far off. I think you're right, DC Savage. I love her name. (laughs) She's savage. She's the one that held this whole thing together and, and got it through. On the 23rd of February, 1994, Gloucester Police were granted a search warrant authorizing the search of 25 Cromwell street <laughs> Cromwell Street to locate Heather's remains. When police displayed this warrant to Rose, she turned pale. Would she should be pale. I hope so. She and needs going something. through the head of hers. Where do I hide the bodies? <laughs> Before becoming hysterical and shouting over her shoulder to her eldest son, Stephen! Get Fred! <laughs> Rose's stories were all over the place surrounding Heather's disappearance. When reminded of these contradictions, she became distraught and abusive, shouting at the office, I can't fucking remember! It's <sighs> a bloody long time ago! What do you think I am, a bloody computer? Swearing at the police, so I know, what a wild woman! I know! Fred went to offer a voluntary witness statement to police regarding his daughter's whereabouts. That evening, when the search team, having left their premises and and an ununiformed officer remaining at Cromwell Street to guard the excavation site, May and Stephen observed their parents talking in hushed tones as they repeatedly glanced towards the garden from the kitchen window. Oh, my God. In the early hours of the following morning, as his son Stephen was about to leave for work, Fred informed him. Look, son, look after Mom and sell the house. I've done something really bad. I want you to go to the papers and make as much money as you can. Police returned to the... <laughs> I'm cr- sorry, <laughs> your, your <refreshing. laughs> Police returned to Cromwell Street to continue their search for Heather's body. Upon their arrival, Fred told police he wanted to be arrested for Heather's murder oh and to be taken to the police station to provide a full confession. He was then arrested and formally cautioned. Is he, like, trying to do that so they don't find the rest of them? Yeah. I'm Does he not sure. know that they usually dig up the rest of the place? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's like, Just, I did it, don't dig up the rest. Yeah, you <laughs> can leave now. You don't need to check anywhere else. There's no more bodies. I'm pretty sure that's where he was headed with that. Okay. At 11.15 that morning, Fred formally admitted to police that he had killed Heather. In an act of manslaughter... He confessed to strangling Heather in a fit of rage and dismembering her body in the ground floor bathroom with a heavy, heavy serrated knife he normally used for cutting slabs of frozen meat. Okay, that sounds like a really hectic knife. Because her remains had been stored in a dustbin as he waited for an opportunity to dig her grave. Oh, that's lovely. Fred said Rose had no knowledge of her daughter's murder claiming he had committed this murder while Rose was busy with one of her clients. <laughs> oh, her clients. I think they were making a lot of noise. Well, I actually think she probably was involved in that one, so. Yeah, there's a good chance. He told them they hadn't found Heather yet, as they were digging in the wrong place in the garden. I'll <laughs> tell oh, you where to dig. Stop digging there now. It's the wrong place. You might find something else. Stop. He then volunteered to accompany police to the house to pinpoint the precise location of Heather's body. Yeah, it's under that table I put over her grave. <laughs> Fred's solicitor, Howard Ogden, and his appointed appropriate adult, Janet Leach, informed May and Stephen their father had confessed to their sister's murder. Oh, my God. In response, Stephen slumped against a wall oh. and began sobbing. May entered a state of shock. Before stammering that her father had not killed her sister. That's so sad. You wouldn't want to believe it. No way. The following day police began digging in the section of the garden at Cromwell Street where Fred indicated he had buried his daughter's body. That's Words that should never come out of your mouth. No. Shortly after four PM, police found a human thigh bone protruding from a section of the garden that Fred had insisted police <laughs> not look at. <laughs> Fred, Fred is an idiot, I'm just saying it. <laughs> that one wasn't me. It was here when we got the place. <laughs> police dug where Fred had indicated and investigators discovered a mass of jumbled human remains. Oh my god, a mass of jumble. Encased in the remnants of a bin bag and entwined with two lengths of rope. Oh my gosh. These dismembered remains were taken into police headquarters for further examination, where they were determined to be those of a young woman oh, so with one kneecap and several phalanges missing. Oh, my God, not the phalanges again. He needs to stop. I'd love to know where he stored his phalanges. I want to know. How many does he have now? Mm-hmm. That, he's got a problem. And does he alphabetise like, his phalanges? <laughs> he has a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, what goes through your head? This whole thing. Don't forget fingers and toes and oh, uh, how could I forget vertebrae? Yes. They also found. Oh, this is horrible. They also found fingernails that were discovered in a pile, suggesting they may have been torn from oh, her finger no. as a means of torture. Oh my God, no, no. That's pretty nasty, though. Yeah. Imagine ha- the pain. Yeah, I, I literally bent my nail bit, be- just bent my nail the other day, and it killed. I. Could not imagine having all of your fingernails no. just been ripped off. I was devastated when I broke three <laughs> today, washing the oh. dogs. Like no, no, no. Several hours later, the body was identified by dental records as being that of Heather West. That evening, Ning. That evening, having been formally charged with his daughter's murder and questioned as to why police had also discovered a third thigh bone. <laughs> That's random. People don't usually have three. Thigh bones? He could have tried that. But instead, Fred said there were two more bodies in his garden and agreed to return to Cromwell Street to reveal the locations of both graves. Why is he so casual about this? I'm not really sure. I think he's a psychopath. I think so. It's kind of terrifying. One of whom he named as Shirley Robinson. He described as being a lesbian. Of course. Who had been heavily pregnant with his child at the time of her murder. The other victim he described incorrectly as being Shirley's mate, both sets of remains were discovered and Fred was charged with both murders two days later. Good. Having discovered three sets of human remains in the garden, a decision was made to thoroughly search the entire property. Good. About time. About time. Rose was placed into a safe house in the nearby town of Dursley. Why? I don't really know. She, should have just been she needs to be locked in up jail. too. As police commenced their search inside 25 Cromwell Street, so we've moved inside the house now, Gosh. Fred gave his solicitor a note he had written to give to the leader <laughs> of the murder investigation. A bit like school. <laughs> Passing he notes. He note to him for me. <laughs> this note read, I, Frederick West, authorise my solicitor, Howard Ogden, to advise Superintendent Bennett that I wish to admit A further approximately nine killings. Presley, Charmaine, Rena, Linda, Goff, and others to be identified. Oh, my God. F. West. Okay. Yep, yep. When question further, Fred explained, there were a further five bodies buried in his cellar and a sixth body beneath the ground floor bathroom. Okay. Most of these victims, Fred claimed, had been hitchhikers or girls he'd murdered in the 1970s after picking them up at bus stops. Initially, Fred claimed these six victims had been killed when they threatened to inform Rose of his infidelity with women and that he'd transported their bodies to Cromwell Street to abuse, dismember, and then bury in shallow graves. But none of that's true. No. The dismemberment, Fred claimed, had made it easier to bury the remains in shallow, cubicle graves. That will help, I suppose, but I've got to be honest. Make it easier. I don't know how you dismember someone. Hmm. And he agreed to return to Cromwell Street to show police where he had buried them. I consider it. <laughs> <laughs> what is this hmm. problem? Between 5 and 8 March, police found six further bodies of young females at 25 Cromwell Street. Each victim had been extensively mutilated. Oh Each God. body bore evidence having been subjected to extreme sexual abuse prior to the act of murder. Nope. For example, the third set of remains discovered in the cellar was found with a length of cloth wrapped around the skull and an oval of adhesive tape 16 inches in circumference found with the remains had likely been used to gag the victim, whose ankles and wrists were also bound with large sections of rope. Also found in this grave was a large serrated knife. Oh, I'm guessing one of the ones he used to cut up his meat. Yep. The second set of remains was found with a section of tubing twisted into a U-shape alongside her severed limbs, ooh. and her skull was found encased in adhesive tape, which had been wrapped around the section where her face had been 11 or 12 times. Oh, with a narrow plastic tube inserted where the nasal cavity had been in an effort to allow her to breathe prior oh. to her murder. So they just they weren't, uh, I can't even talk about it, it's disgusting. Oh just treated like, I don't know. That is insane. Each set of remains was missing numerous bones, notably phalanges. <laughs> 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 Please stop. <laughs> when questioned, Fred refused to divulge the reason or whereabouts of the bones missing from each set of remains. Despite Fred's insistence that his wife held no knowledge of any of the murders, investigators suspected otherwise. Good idea. Suspect. (laughs) Good on you, inspectors. Rose was arrested on the 20th of April 1994, initially on offences relating to the rape of an 11-year-old girl and the physical assault of an 8-year-old boy. (gasps) both charges dating from the mid-1970s. The following day, she was refused bail and transferred to prison to be held in maximum Security Wing. I like the sound about maximum Security Here she was questioned more closely about the murders, in particular those of her daughter Heather and Linda Goth, and on the 25th of April, she was formally charged with Goth's murder. By the 6th of May, Fred and Rose were jointly charged with five counts of murder with Rose saying, I'm innocent, upon hearing each formal charge, a response that proved to be a theme throughout each of the 46 interviews investigators held with Rose prior to her trial. As well as the murders of the victims exhumed from Cromwell Street, Fred had confessed to the murders of his first wife and stepdaughter and to knowing the location of Anne McCall's remains, although he always denied killing her. Fred agreed to identify each burial location and the remains were unearthed between 10th of April and 7th of June. He was then transferred to Birmingham's Winson Green Prison where a strict suicide watch called for his cell to be checked every 15 minutes. Oh, really? On the 30th of June 1994, he was charged with 11 murders and she with nine. This was the first time the couple had seen each other since Fred's February arrest. Prior to hearing the formal charges against him, Fred leaned towards his wife and gently placed his hand on her shoulder. In response, Rose, having ignored her husband's presence, <laughs> visibly winced in discomfort. Oh, my God. <laughs> Both were held on remand. As police attempted to leave Fred from the hearing, he resisted their efforts and again attempted to move towards Rose again winced and attempted to (coughs) run away from his grasp. Don't come near me. Don't touch me, you murderer. You rapist. Oh, my God. What is she doing? I'm so innocent. You're so guilty. Fred was also arrested on suspicion of murdering Anne McFall. His body had been found on 7 June but had not been officially identified until this date. He was formally charged with McFall's murder on the 3rd of July appearing in court the following morning. Fred was becoming increasingly depressed. Poor Fred. Probably shouldn't have murdered and raped so many people. Probably not. Can't be healthy. (laughs) This became worse after Rose's public rejection of him in Gloucester Magistrates Court. Her refusal to reply to letters he sent her and reports leaked to the press in which Rose had assumed the role of the grieving mother who had lost a daughter and stepdaughter to her husband and in which she declared both her innocence of murder and her hatred of him. Fred pleaded with Stephen and Anna Marie to convey to Rose that he loved her, but Rose never acknowledged this. In response, Fred withdrew his earlier confessions to having acted alone in the murders and (laughs) accused Rose of almost total culpability in all the murders. What did you think was going to (laughs) happen? Excluding that of Anne McCall, which he claimed had been committed by Rena, his first wife. Fred wrote a note to Rose, Steve and May. I'll read that note to you. Well, Rose, it's your birthday. On 29th of November, 1994, and you'll be 41, and still beautiful, and still lovely. And I love you. We will always be in love. Wow. The most wonderful thing in my life was when I met you. Our love is special to us. So, love, keep your promises to me. You know what they are. Where we are put together forever and ever is up to you. We loved Heather, both of us. I would love Charmaine to be with Heather and Rena. You will always be Mrs West all over the world. That is important to me and to you. I haven't got you a present, but all I have is my life. I will give it to you, my darling. When you are ready, come to me. I'll be waiting for you. Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. With the suicide watch having been relaxed on the 1st of January 1995, Fred West asphyxiated himself in his cell by wrapping a robe he had constructed from a blanket and tags he'd stolen from the prison laundry bags around his neck, fixing this device to a door handle and window catchment and sinking to his knees. So that note that we just read was actually his suicide note. Wow. Okay. At the bottom of the suicide note found in his cell was a drawing of a gravestone (laughs) within which was written in loving memory. Fred West, Rose West, rest in peace where no shadows fall. In perfect peace, he waits for Rose, his wife. <laughs> At pretrial proceedings, Rose pleaded not guilty to ten charges of murder, though her counsel conceded that circ- circumstantial evidence indicated Rose's willingness to subject young girls to sadistic physical and sexual abuse. Yuck. Mmm, she's lovely. Yuck. In his opening statement, prosecutor Brian Levison portrayed Fred and Rose as sex-obsessed sadistic murderers. Terming the bodies discovered at Cromwell Street and Midland Road, secrets more terrible than words can express. He's not wrong. The victim's last moments on earth were as objects of the depravity of this woman and her husband. He pointed out that Fred was incarcerated. He pointed out that Fred was incarcerated. Charmaine West was killed. Mm -hmm. Claimed that Fred and Rose had each learned from their mistakes in allowing Carolyn to live. They would never be so trusting again. He said that the gag on victim Therese Seigenthaler evinced a feminine touch, a scarf tied in a bow. He promised to demonstrate Rose's controlling and sexually sadistic character and her efforts to deflect suspicion about the disappearance of their victims. Prosecution witnesses included Cromwell Street lodgers, victims, relatives, Rose's mother, Daisy and sister Glenys, and surviving victims, including Anna Marie West, Catherine Halliday, a former lover of friend Rose, Carolyn Owens, and a Miss A, who had been sexually assaulted at 14 by friend Rose in 1977, and who described Rose as the more aggressive perpetrator of the two. Neighbors described Charmaine. 1971 disappearance while Fred was imprisoned and Rose's casual indifference to Heather's disappearance. Rosemary's counsel, Richard Ferguson, tried to discredit prosecution witnesses as either having financially exploited their connection to the case or motivated by grudges. Owens, though admitting to receiving £20,000 for her story, described her extreme survivor's guilt. I only want to get justice for the girls who didn't make it. I feel like it was my fault. Oh, awful! so sad. So she survived, but she'll never get Mm -hmm. over it. Ferguson emphasized that Fred, before meeting Rose, had committed at least one more strikingly similar murder to those at issue in the present trial, and that the prosecution's case was largely circumstantial. He contended that Rose was unaware of the extent of Fred's sadism and urged the jury not to be prejudiced by her promiscuity and domineering manner. Uh Uh-huh. Even though it's true. Yeah. Against the advice of her counsel, Rose herself testified, (laughs) as do all narcissists. They just can't help themselves. Her effects, can they? No, that's true. They all do it. Her effect sometimes morose and tearful, sometimes upbeat and humorous. She wept while describing herself as a victim of child abuse and rape who naively married a violent and domineering man who joked about such issues as always being pregnant and laughed while describing one victim's grandfather glasses. She also claimed never to have met six of the victims buried at Cromwell Street and to recall very little of her assault on Carolyn Owens. Uh I can't remember. When shown the photographs of the victims buried in the cellar, and the victim, Alison Chambers, and asked by Brian Levison whether she recognised any of their faces. Rose's face turned bright red, and she repeatedly stuttered as she replied, uh, n- No, sir. In reference to her relationship with her eldest child, Rose admitted her relations with Heather were strained, before claiming to the court that her daughter was a lesbian who had physically and psychologically abused her siblings. Oh, yes, I'm sure she did. Despite these allegations, Rose stated that she loved her daughter and held no knowledge of the murder. Oh, no. Further questions as to the contradictory explanations she and Fred had given as to Heather's disappearance, Rose claimed these discrepancies had stemmed from telephone conversations she'd had with Heather after she left home. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The defence, except she was buried at the house. The defence next called many women who claimed to have been assaulted by a lone male whose physical description matched Fred's. These seven women each testified they had recognised their attacker as Fred when his photo appeared in the media in 1994. The intention of this testimony was to illustrate that Fred was capable of committing these attacks without Rose. Well, capable? but sometimes he doesn't. And the physical recollections of several of these women varied greatly. The final witness to testify at Rose's trial was Fred's appointed appropriate adult leech, whom the prosecution had called to testify on the 7th of November in rebuttal to the tape recordings of Fred's confessions, which had been played to the court, and in which he had stressed Rose had known nothing at all about any of any of the murders. Leach testified that through this role, Fred had gradually begun to view her as a confidant and had confided in her that on the evening prior to his 25th of February arrest, he and Rose had formed a pact where he would take full responsibility for all the murders, many of which he had privately described to her as being some of Rose's mistakes. He also said that Rose had murdered Charmaine while he had been incarcerated. Not true. And she had also murdered Shirley Robinson. Yeah. Fred had also confided that he had dismembered the victims and Rose had participated in the mutilation uh-huh. and dismemberment of Shirley Robinson, having personally removed Robinson's unborn child from her womb after death. Oh, my gosh. In reference to the remaining eight murders for which Rose was charged, Lee testified that Fred confided Rose had played a major part in these murders. Upon cross-examination, Leach did concede to Richard Ferguson she had earlier lied under Rose about having sold her story to a national newspaper for a £100,000. Oh, wow. I know, right? I'd sell my story too. <laughs> Although she was adamant as to the sincerity of her testimony. While delivering the testimony, Leach collapsed and the trial was adjourned for six days. She returned to complete her cross-examination on the 13th of November. On 21 and 22 November, the jury returned unanimous guilty verdicts for all 10 murders. Good. Terming her crimes appalling and depraved, the judge sentenced Rosemary to life in prison, emphasising she should never be paroled. Initially, Rose was incarcerated at HMP Bronzefield as a Category A prisoner. She was later transferred to HM Prison Low Newton, before in 2019 being transferred to HM Prison, Newhall, where she continues to protest her innocence. (laughs) Of course. Rose West are known to have committed at least 12 murders between 1967 and 1987. Many of those connected to the case believe there are several other victims whose bodies have never been found. I, I imagine, I truly believe there are quite a lot. Police had recorded over 108 hours of tape-recorded interviews with Fred, both when he had claimed to have acted alone in the commission of the murders and when he had attempted to portray Rose as being the more culpable participant. On several occasions, Fred made cryptic hints that he had killed more victims, but refused to give any further information beyond that he had murdered 15-year-old Mary Bastholm, in nineteen sixty eight and buried her body on farmland near Bishops Clear. He also claimed to have killed one victim while working on a construction project in Birmingham. And that other bodies had been buried in Scotland and Herefordshire. Sorry, someone is shooting so you might hear some pops. Sorry about that. It's okay. We live in the bush and they're probably just shooting at, at, at them. If we go silent I was gonna say no it's just like a <laughs> random shooting. <issue. laughs> <laughs> All right. To his appropriate adult, Fred claimed there were up to twenty further victims he and his wife had killed. Not in one place, but spread around, and he intended to reveal the location of one body per year to investigators. <laughs> wow. <laughs> A little bit hard when you're dead. Yeah. While on remand, Fred made several admissions as to the fate of his victims, buried at Cromwell Street, to his son Stephen. Much of this information was disjointed or told in a third party manner. Fred claimed that he had extensively tortured the victims prior to their murder, but had not raped them. Oh wow. And Instead of oh. engaging in acts of necrophilia <coughs> if their bodies what? at or shortly after the point of death. But you just would not admit that, would you? You just I would have stuck with I raped them. Like, do you do you want people to view you as already worse than you are? <laughs> you asked earlier, could it get worse? I I don't know if I should have asked that because apparently it just it, yeah. it did. Yeah, I don't know that it can possibly get much worse than that, but I would hope not. Okay. He also claimed the reasons many phalange bones have been missing from the victims' bodies was because their removal of the fingers and toes had been one of the forms of torture. The oh. victims had injured. Oh, my God. Okay, I need, I need him to stop doing the flan thing because I can't hear that word anymore. You know how we stopped drinking? I think maybe we should start again. i feeling a need for a vodka. With other torture methods, including the extraction of their fingernails. Oh, no, not on fingernails. Acts of mutilation and cigarettes being <gasps> stubbed out on their bodies. No, no. How did people not hear this? How? The screws <laughs> oh, would be horrific. I guess they like, what's the point? Because they're acting together and shit. some people moment. were like, well, that's just noise or. That's not my business. She was or, keeping them quiet. She was choking them and yeah. smothering them. Yeah. Furthermore, the locations of almost all the burial sites of victims, both discovered and undiscovered, were symbolic to Fred, as each had been buried at or very close to the location he had lived in or worked at at the time of his murders. Lovely. As well as the 12 confirmed victims, police firmly believe Fred is also responsible for the 1968 disappearance of 15-year-old Mary Bass Holm. Oh. But to date, no body has been found. Police firmly believe the West are responsible for further unsolved murders and disappearances. Most likely. They believe they committed 10 murders between 1971 and 1979, at least seven of which were for sexual purposes. Following the rush of murders between 1973 and 1975, Fred and Rose are not known to have committed any murders until 1978. They committed why. one further murder in 1979, followed by an eight-year lull until they murdered their daughter in 1987. I wonder why they had break. That's weird. looks like BTK. But there are theories, had a long and break. I'll get into those. Police do not know of any further murders they committed before their 1994 arrest. During formal questioning, Fred confessed to murdering up to 30 people. 30? Indicating up to 18 other undiscovered victims. Oh, my God. I truly believe he did. Wow. Fred's remarkably relaxed, emotionally sterile attitude towards all aspects of his crimes startled many members of the inquiry team. The startling me. It's startling me. This prompted Superintendent John Bennett to seek the assistance of a criminal psychologist Ooh. for an expert opinion on Fred's state of mind. I really like criminal psychologists; are so fascinating. After analysing Fred's behaviour throughout the extensive 1994 interviews, psychologist Paul Britton advised Superintendent Bennett that Fred's blasé manner indicated he had committed so many offences over such a long period. That he was now indifferent to the acts of torture, mutilation, and murder. How do you become indifferent to that? That's not something you should become indifferent to. Like, those things are horrendous. They are horrendous. Britain added that although the offender of this nature may come to offend less frequently, he would be unlikely to see his killing altogether. Yeah, no, he's beyond help. I'm with you on that, Britain. One theory which may explain the sudden lull in the frequency of their murders is the fact that by the mid-1970s, the West had begun a practice of befriending teenage girls from nearby care homes. Oh, lovely. Many of whom they sexually abused. Oh. With others encouraged to engage in prostitution within their home. Oh, my God. The West established acquaintances, including several of their lodgers, willing to partake in their share fetishes. Oh, okay. Which is Honestly, it would have been fine if they just had well people their own age and they, and could, have done the they right. could have done their own thing, like like whatever you do like that in your own home, fine. But don't do it without consent, and don't, and don't murder people and leave children alone. And yes, they have to be consenting adults. And they think this may have satiated the couple to a degree. Yeah, maybe. Four young girls similar to his victims are known to have disappeared during the time Fred lived in Glasgow. Oh. One of whom Margaret McAvoy, Fred had been acquainted with. Well, I'm assuming that was definitely him and He had also no this part, this part is uh <laughs> He had also rented a garden allotment near his house. Oh and which he frequently visited. Did they dig that up? We'll find out although only a small section of this plot was ever cultivated. To one neighbour, Fred remarked that he used the remainder for something special. Oh, my God. About which he refused to elaborate. I think I know. If we know. Much of the supposed cultivation of this allotment occurred in the early hours of the morning. (laughs) Oh, my God. I wonder what he could be doing. What did he think people were thinking? He was like, oh. Doing some early gardening <laughs> and it's still dark. Uh, oh, dear, oh, dear. What, what on earth were you doing, Freddie? Oh, my gosh. Police were unable to investigate whether any further bodies were buried at this location as these allotments were built over in the early 1970s oh, of course as a section were. of the M8 <gasps> motorway. No! The motorway. Really. Those bodies no. are in that garden. That is so sad. Like, if it was, like... A house or something, you could to demolish it, over and, but. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh my god, people drive over that every day. I know. <gasps> so sad, isn't it? Fred's body was cremated in 1995, and his ashes were scattered at the Welsh seaside resort of Barry Island. I don't understand that. I don't understand why they get to choose where their ashes go. No. They should be stuck in a dirty little dark box in a corner <laughs> somewhere, in a place called hell, like. No, sh- I no that's I don't agree with it. After the 1994 arrest their parents, four youngest West children were given new identities to protect them from the notoriety of their family. You probably would want one. You would want to distance yourself from that. Well, I think they should never be told that they're a West. Like, well, they probably wouldn't. it be awful. Each child remains in foster care. Oh, I hope they have great lives. I don't think they do. Why? Well, I-, I want them to. The remains of Charmaine and Rena were cremated. At the insistence of Anna-Marie West, mother and daughter shared the same coffin and no roses were to be brought to the service by any mourners. But because rose. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is so sad. It is so sad. But what a hero. Anna-Marie's gone through so much and she's organised all that. I just got goosebumps. (laughs) Fred's younger brother, John, hanged himself in the garage of his home in November 1996. At the time of his suicide, he'd been awaiting the jury verdict in his trial for the alleged multiple rapes of his niece. Oh, okay, I don't feel bad now. Anna Marie at Cromwell Street in the 1970s. Oh, I felt bad for a second, but I took that right back. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm not sad about you now. Nope. In March 1996, Rose announced her intentions to appeal her sentence. This appeal was rejected. Thank goodness. She was going to appeal again. But don't not bother. Uh, yeah. don't I mean, waste no one likes you. You're a horrible person, you deserve to be in jail. Don't waste taxpayers' money. Well she kind of is, but <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> don't waste more. Both of Rose's oldest biological children and her stepdaughter, Anna Marie, initially visit her in prison on a regular basis. Although by two thousand and six she'd ceased contact with them after May began asking questions about her culpability in the murders. Mm-hmm. I don't want to answer those questions. Yeah. Rose justified her decision with the explanation, I was never a parent then. I could (laughs) never be one now. Well, she's not wrong. The sole visitor Rose continues to receive in prison is Anna Marie, who later changed her name to Anne Marie, which is probably good because I'm pretty sure I've called her Anne Marie a few times through the podcast. (laughs) In 2004, one of the West's youngest children, Barry, claimed to have witnessed the murder of his sister, Heather. (gasps) According to Barry, who was seven at the time. Oh, my God. Fred and Rose had restrained, then sexually and physically abused Heather before Rose had repeatedly stamped upon her head until she ceased to move. Oh, my God. The West House in Cromwell Street was demolished in October 1996 with every piece of debris destroyed to discourage potential souvenir hunters. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was going to say, keeping a souvenir from a house where so many people were murdered and buried a brick from the House of Horrors. Ugh. It had been referred to in the press as the House of Horrors. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yep. The site was later redeveloped into a public pathway. In 1999, Anna Marie West attempted suicide by drowning oh. herself in a river. Stephen West is also known to have made an unsuccessful suicide attempt so in 2002 sad. by attempting to hang himself. Oh. In 2004, he was jailed for nine months for having unlawful sex with a 14-year-old girl oh. on multiple occasions. Mm. The couple's youngest son, Barry, he's the one that yeah. saw the uh-huh. Heather. I have read more about him as well. The couple's youngest son, Barry, committed suicide by oh. a suspected drug overdose in October 2020. He is known to have battled a drug addiction and psychiatric issues as a result of the abuse he witnessed and endured as a child. I'm not surprised. Some of the quotations I read whilst I was researching his story are as follows. Quotation by John McLaughlin, 1995. Any ordinary man would have given the child some ice cream but instead he smashed her around the head with his hand. He was a violent and sadistic bastard who enjoyed beating up women and kids. It's true. Quote, Fred West, 1994. I mean, Heather. I mean, I thought the bloody world of her. So anyway, I got to grips with it after a while, and the first thing that came into my head was, I'm going to have to take care of this and sort it out, oh my. which I did. All the messes Rose got herself into. I took the and rap for them and helped them out. So anyway, I said, you'll have to tell me exactly what happened. She said that Heather was cut up. Well, I never felt so ill for a few seconds. A few minutes before I could get to grips with myself again, and I said, what on earth did you cut her up for? She said she wouldn't fit in the dustbin. Oh, Oh my God. Now the thing that makes it hard is that she cut Heather up and chucked her in the effing dustbin. A daughter in a dustbin. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the last quotation is a quotation by Stephen West, recounting an admission made while his father was on remand in prison. He said to me, can you remember helping me dig those holes in the garden when you were a kid? Oh, my God. I said I couldn't remember. But he said we did it together, you know. You wouldn't want to remember. Then he said that's where the girls were found, in the exact dolls. Oh, my God. No, do not make your kid dig holes for, like, the people you murdered. And, and, maybe, when, and then when you've done it like, and they don't even know about it, tell them about yeah. it. Destroy their soul. Do these people just want to destroy everybody's life that they come into contact with? One of the things I found very interesting is that according to the 2020 documentary Rose West and Mara Hindley, their untold story with Trevor MacDonald, Rose and the other British serial murderer, Mara Hindley grew close in jail, bonding over their similar crimes. That's disturbing. They had an affair which cooled as they became rivals to be prison royalty. Our thoughts are with those members of the West family who have survived this terrible ordeal, as well as the many victims, families and friends who have suffered because of Rosemary and Fred West. And that concludes the horror story of Rose and Fred West. I would like to end on this quote. It seems we have depraved, soulless beings that walk amongst us. However, they are not human and not worthy of the air we breathe. Anonymous. Photographs and police transcripts can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can follow us at Facebook at Solved, Unsolved or Spooky, on Twitter at hashtag or solved, Instagram at Solved, Unsolved or Spooky. You can email us at podcast at spooky.com please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.